This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 169, recorded on May 29th, 2014. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home, news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy.tv studios here in a beautiful and sunny Bellevue, Nebraska. And of course, we post the show with world-class show notes, only because the guests do awesome show notes, by the way, out at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, you can contact the show. Send me an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Track me down on Twitter, at Jay Collison. And now call in those questions. And uh, got a few of those. Hopefully, you listened to the end of the, of the program last week. We had a nice caller. Uh, call in, give some feedback on uh, some fitness tech stuff. And uh, you can call those in 402-478-8450, and we'll play those here on the show. And I uh, might even build a show around it. You never know if you're asking those questions. And now the Home Ge- uh, Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find this show and many other great podcasts out at thegeeksnetwork.com. And join us in chat, watch, and listen to the live show. Find all the navigation on in the upper right-hand corner out at the average guy. Dot TV. All right. Well, we got a, a uh, we talk about home gadget geeks, and I've been kind of dying to do some car tech, and uh, so I'm gonna I'm going to justify this show by saying you park your car in the garage. That's technically in the house, which is a home gadget geek. So we're going to uh, we're going to bring that up, and I got two guys that I know are into their vehicles. Obviously, I'm not. I drive an 06 Honda Civic. Hybrid, probably the worst vehicle ever, for, right? For any kind of actual anything. So BYOB, bring your own battery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've already had the batteries replaced once. It's also the Bill Show. It's so it's uh, it's, and we won't say what that works out to if you just go with the initials. So if we're gonna say Bill, Bill, and Jim, and uh, both of you guys have been on before, uh, Bill Pullman, Bill Lockford, you thanks for coming out and being a part of what we're doing here. Well, thank you. Okay, gentlemen, let's uh, let's dive right in. And we had a heated discussion. Not really heated. We, we, Bill, you and I were having a good conversation before Bill joined us uh, in there. But I want to talk about automated vehicles because, uh, of course, those are coming, I think, automated vehicles in some form or fashion are coming to a garage near you. Maybe not necessarily where people will own them, but you'll have some ability to rent them or to uh, to they may take over taxi services and some of those kinds of things. Um, you know, it's interesting what's coming up, um, and, and so let's let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so so Bill Pullman, I'm going to go with you first because we had we had the other discussion, but I want to see where do you land. In the automated cars, do you do you you know what do you think about those and what's coming up? You know, it's tough to say honestly because when you put something um, when you put something autonomous like that into production on real world, it needs to make a decision. Okay, well, there's something jumping in front of me. Am I gonna kill me or am I gonna kill the person next to me? You know, something like that. I got to turn, swerve out of the way. Um, I think it's great for my business. It's very bad, um, but you know, from a well, from are a, you saying it's it's bad because you think it's going to 
be safer, and so you're going to have less accidents. I, I would think I would think that's the case. I would think they're much much more conservative. Um, but the first time that someone gets run over by one of these, you know, everyone's going to be like, you know, wigging out. Yeah. So I think we're way far away before that happens. There's a lot of companies now that are keeping them under 25 miles an hour. Um, there's a reason for that, uh, legislation-wise, that they don't have to report them as you know X, Y, and Z. So they can even test them under a certain speed. But even then, you know, it's up to the coder to make the logic for the car to run. Bill Rockford, what uh, I know you're not you're not a big fan of them, but what what don't you like, and why why do you think there are ways out? Well, a lot of different reasons. Uh, you have in fact, basically, these things are robots, and I haven't seen a robot that really works well yet, and that's even in controlled environments. And then you have the fact, that you, as he said, you got machines trying to make decisions that humans make intuitively, and are they going to to make the decision not to run over the kid that's running in front of the car and wrap the car around a tree, killing me? And, but what if they could predict that and avoid both situations? Well, we, we can't predict it, and we're well, more intuitive than a computer is. But but not so. Computers are really good, right, at repetitive, quick. Um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where it's yes and no. Um, binary. Yeah, binary decisions, right? It, it, and so. If, so maybe the technology is not there today, but if really seeing what's out ahead of you is just really a yes or no decision, is there something there or is there not? And if the field of vision is wide enough that it can catch a kid running into the street. I mean, don't you think we could get to that point where 99.9% of, of those things well, could be? Yeah, you probably got. You're going to have the 99.9%. But the thing is, it's going to be that one-tenth percent that's going to make the news. I mean, yeah, but it's it's just like the the uh, car act on the uh, the ignition problem with GM, thirteen people died. Yeah. Out of how many cars that were on the road, just just out of cobalts, there were millions of those cars on the road. Mm -hmm. Thirteen people died. I'm not trying to belittle the yeah, of no, no. thirteen people died, but it's pure statistic. That is a very 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 small number, and that's what people are going to see on the news, and that's what's going to get people irate and upset. Is that teeny little percentage? Yeah, and then, and then you have what's these things going to cost? What's the price tag going to be? Well, that's true. And then yeah, who's going to be liable for the insurance? Am I liable for the insurance because it's my car? Is the manufacturer of the car the one that's going to be liable because it's the one making the decisions, not me? Yeah. No, I think it's we've got a lot of things to think about before we let these. I mean, you you, you remember happen. the uproar over Toyota's unintended acceleration? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. And, 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 and that was a much simpler fixed. system than what we're talking about. Well, but things got fixed, right? I mean, there, well, there's do been, we really know that? Well, airbags have killed people, right? And so they yeah. fixed they fixed those. Those are safety devices they didn't yank out of the vehicles. You know. So so do you you know do we get the benefit of the doubt and these things get better as we learn more about them? Um, it, and and I think I mean so well I don't disagree with you I you all you have very valid points there is that I think this I think automation comes to cars slowly 
right? And not like one day you have it and then, you know, or you don't have it and the next day you do. I mean, already, right? We're seeing a oh, lot. Oh, yeah, of we are, you're seeing it. You already got cars that don't watch in front of them, break automatically, uh, lane departure systems, uh, all those kinds of technologies. And, and and what we were talking about before the show is, that, is this making dumber drivers? Are you going to have people that are going to be so dependent on the tech that they're not going to have know how to drive when the tech doesn't work? Well, and I think that's a valid point. Although driving cars is easier today than it was when my father was driving cars, right? There's a lot more tech that makes it easier for me to drive, and I think I'm still a better driver. I mean, I, th I still think I'm okay today. I don't have to do all the manually shifting and, you know, all the things that, that I had to do, you know, that, that maybe older cars think about those, the early version of cars. Um, so do we adapt to that? You know, I, I get your point. It, one of the things you'd mentioned was, what happens when the system breaks down, or you know, the computer stops working correctly, the or it's it can't it can't see the road, right? Situations I, I've driven through some storms here in the Midwest, or even good drivers, uh, human drivers can't see the road or make good decisions, and, uh, and 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 what does it do? And if it turns it over to a driver who's not a very good driver. You know, although that can happen, I mean, there's plenty of not very good drivers today that are getting drivers. Yeah, this is true. But the thing is, at least that it's not being suddenly thrown in their lap. They're not being good drivers the entire time. They're they're used. Uh, they're at least aware, and they have their least what little senses they have already focused on driving. Where I'm driving along, reading my book, and then the thing starts ding, saying it's done. It's not going to drive anymore. I have to throw the book down, grab the steering wheel, and like okay, what am I doing and where am I and what's going on? Because I haven't been paying attention. I've been reading the book. We have that now, though, to be honest with you. There, where I live, there are first-generation drivers and they're 45 years old, fresh over from certain countries. Um, they don't know, you know, there was one that she was chased seven miles. She had, didn't have her lights on, didn't know how to use it. That she went over to median on a major highway, turned around, went back home, and hid in her bedroom until the cops got her because she just didn't know what she eluded police officers. She didn't know how to work her car. You know, so there's there are people that really shouldn't be driving that I'd rather have in these cars. But at the same token, I really don't want to lose that 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 human aspect of it as well. Well, let me ask both of you this, and and Bill Rockford, let me let me put it in your lap. Are you af are you afraid? And I'm not saying in a, in a sense like fear, but are, is there a concern that these cars will take over to the point where the government would mandate only autonomous cars can be on the road? Why not? They mandate things left and right. Yeah, but is that a I mean, is that a serious, it, it, legitimate concern? Concern to me, yes, because I, I, I think we we would lose something. Because um, if they mandate that only uh, autonomous cars can be on the road. Um, what's going? I mean, honestly, that's even if it wasn't even my car. I mean, what what's going to happen to the classics, the right. one, ones that have been painstakingly kept uh, and are enjoyed by people on weekends? Um, and some of these things are pieces of history, just like when you oh, just a few months ago when the Corvette Museum when they had the sinkhole. You had pe I mean, you, these are, are not even people's individuals' cars. These are cars in a museum, and they got, most of them totaled. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And people were actually honestly upset over the fact that here, here is some uh, uh, seven Corvettes that were hallmarks of that uh, car line, and they're gone. And they probably won't be coming back. And people were seriously upset about it. Yeah, no, no, certainly. And, and, and if you start saying, well, that all those 57 Chevys and those uh, rat rods and the hot rods and all those things have to go away because the government mandates autonomous only, you're gonna, it, it's going to be, oh, I wonder if it's not going to be as close as what, when the NRA shows up when the, oh, they start saying, we're going to take away your guns. They're going to yeah. be a bunch of irate people saying, you're uh-huh. not taking away my car. Probably worst. Probably, yeah, yeah, probably, probably will. Worst. Yeah, I can't. If, I, go ahead, Bill. No, I'm sorry. If I, we're old enough to remember the, I'm gonna. I, I don't. It's that old, but it's a Steve Austin movie. The Six Million Dollar Man was in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. in a movie where there was no more cars, and he took it out of his bar and he put it together, and there was only like a gallon of gas left in the bottom of each tank at every gas station. He would siphon it out. And I can't remember the name, but it's an oldie but a goodie. And it's just like this. Yeah, I'd have I'd have a hard time believing that here in the United States, anyways, that the government could mandate that you know because we hold our cars like we hold our withhold you know like we we hold our guns right, which is you know is is a big I mean it's a big deal here in the U.S. and uh, and so you know I, I don't know if we'd ever get to that point, but certainly, and you know. Um, Bill, you had said 50 years. You thought you know it would be 50 years before we'd ever see anything like this. I, I would agree with that statement that you make. If we talked about, say, it did, we ever did get a switchover, I would think it would take about 50 years to have a complete, because it would never, it could never be done overnight, right? It could never be done that quick. I think it would take a lot of changes, a lot of legislation. I mean, just think about the things we've talked about here. What do we? What about insurance? What about liability? What about, you know, what about cost, right? You can't, if nobody's buying them, I think about the hybrids, right, and, and how popular they were five, six, seven years ago when I bought mine. And they're not really that cost effective or saved anybody that much money, right? And they were more expensive. And so people didn't buy as many and they have not, still, still have not caught on, right, from that standpoint. They're not a really great car to begin with. But that being said, I mean, don't you think that it's, it would take a long time before anything like I that would happen? I think it's going to take a long time for the technology to truly mature, and it's going to take a long time for the people and the organizations around automotive to come to terms with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do see... Um, I do see probably autonomous cars coming to the state of California to a to a you know a a place near you to take over some services that uh, you know that may I, I think they're gonna I, I think it's gonna work there I think in some of the bigger cities they're gonna get the ability to run these things and it won't be everybody and you know you won't be mandated or whatever these things are running today and I think uh, Google's gonna make that happen don't you think? Bill Pullman, don't you think? Yeah, no, I do. And what you were just saying is, uh, I'm curious on areas where the traffic's so bad, you know, like in, in the West Coast in California, would it alleviate that because of people just can't drive? And you know, you back up. There's a study where you back up, you hit your brakes for 30 seconds or an, or a minute, and you have to stop. It backs up for like two hours when you see what it does. 
um, and heavy traffic. So a place like California, maybe that works. I, I don't know. I just don't want to see it. Certainly from a human movement standpoint of getting people around, if you can organize the vehicles in a way they can drive themselves in a fashion, I think IBM's shown this, if you can drive those vehicles in a fashion where they're, they're aware of each other and they know the movement and it's planned, you can move a lot of people a lot faster mm -hmm. if you do it that way, right? You leave it up to human intervention. This is an area where humans aren't good, is in traffic, because why? Right. We're all really selfish. <laughs> exactly. I'll give that one. <laughs> I've ridden this sh shoulder for at least two miles and doing about 80. You know, if I have to, I'll do what I got to do. Uh, so it doesn't really work well. Well, I think it's an interesting. I think it's a interesting discussion uh, between the three of us. We're we're not going to decide what's really going to happen or not. But but Bill had put that in the notes, and uh, I wanted uh, and I'd heard that they had been talking a little bit about that in this week in Google, and uh, and so I, I thought, oh, this is good timing on this. We haven't. It's hard on a car show to not bring this point up, and it, and it does bring up some very emotional conversation that goes on around it. And it's interesting to hear from the two of you on this, especially because you guys are, you know, you're kind of motorheads, uh, so to speak, and you love your cars and you race them. And of course, you know, taking that away, um, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, uh, Bill one, one other thing oh, I want to bring up. So what's going to happen when people start modifying them too? Because you know someone's going to dig underneath the hood. Yeah. What's going to happen then? Yeah, yeah. What, what happens when you hack your vehicle so you can get it to go faster, or you know, the, the or figure out some way to make it actually drive more aggressively to get you there some somehow faster? Yeah. You just have to root it. That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and uh, the one thing I'll say about government control on this is, Ugh. if we really could have gotten, if our government could have gotten control. They would have gotten it control back in the 70s when they when they implemented the 55 mile an hour speed limit, and they actually would have put regulators on vehicles, and that never happened. And so, if that had happened, I would believe our government could actually pull something like that off. I just don't, you know. While politically, I don't have a lot of faith in our government, I also know they can't get a lot of things done, anyways. <laughs> you know, it was, you know, the whole NSA deal was kind of like, are you kidding me? They're still the lowest bidders. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, somebody, I was doing an interview with somebody who said that's security by obscurity, and I'm like, that seems to work uh, here. So I, you know, I don't know. I just don't have a lot of faith in that. So if that would have happened, I would have gone, well, yeah, maybe they do have the power, but I, I don't. What I find always interesting is you, th you look at these movies that are in the future, like a Total Recall, and they're driving on magnets, or they, you know, everybody wants to get rid of the tire, and I don't know what they have against the the rubber industry, but it seems like in every future movie, there's no tires anymore. You think of Star Wars, right? We were talking mm -hmm. about Star Wars earlier, right? Hover, hovercraft. Um, and it's it's like, um, but there's people still driving the cars. So you're like, so you're good enough to build a car that can hover, but you still got to drive it? Yeah. Couldn't you, you know, you'd think by then it'd be autonomous at that point. You know, wouldn't you think? If it's, if it's in the future enough that, that you can hover? Anyways, maybe not. All right, let's talk about some tech uh, with the two of you guys. And uh, in and I'm, I'm uh, Bill. You've got this uh, kind of organized here in the show notes. Uh, you start with power systems there, mm -hmm. and um, and so talk a little bit about. Remember, we're kind of an average guy show. There are probably folks uh, who are listening who are 
as enthusiastic or more about vehicles. And we're going to scratch an itch for those guys tonight. If you don't like cars, you might want to just go ahead and call it a day and go listen to maybe Cyber Frontiers or <laughs> another podcast at this point. I don't say that uh, too often, but we're going to kind of get in depth on some of the vehicles. What, you know, um, as I open the hood on my vehicle today, uh, I look at that engine compartment, and that's a lot different than the 67 Dodge Dart that I had when I was in college, you know. Now, that's, it was an old car then, by the way. I'm not that old, <laughs> but uh, it was, you know, that car was manufactured just a year before I was born. But it's a different, I could work on that car. I can't, uh, Bill Rockford, what's going on in the in the engine area that, what kind of tech are we seeing, maybe even in the last couple of years? Um, well, I mean, over the last few years, you've seen uh, a lot of new tech coming into the, just the classic engine. You've seen, uh, starting about, we'll say start about 30 years ago when fuel injection was introduced. And move from there to sequential fuel injection to, uh, coil for every single cylinder instead of a single coil for the entire system. Uh, the computers, computer control got better. The engines, they've moved the temperatures up, increased the engine, internal engine temperatures to be able to do, be more, uh, more better with the greenhouse gases. Uh, engines have just gotten more and more efficient. Uh, I mean, I was thinking about the other day, from 30, in the last 30 years, just the classic oh, gasoline engine and it's probably at least four times more efficient than it was then. Because if you think about it, oh, a four-cylinder motor in 84, you probably got 90 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you get at least 200. And, and you get double the fuel mileage. Now, it's not as good as everyone wished it would be. But then again, cars have also gotten a whole lot heavier too. Because I mean, uh, average car, average compact car weighed twenty four hundred pounds, twenty two hundred pounds thirty years ago. Now they, you can't find anything under three thousand. Yeah, and if if they gotten heavier because they gotten safer, you got safe safety. You got uh, purely technology. I mean, everyone gets power windows now. Everyone gets air conditioning. Uh, everyone has big fancy stereo systems and sound deadening throughout the car, so it's nice and quiet. You got uh, um, a lot more steel in the cars to make them safer. To have more crumple zones, more and the safety cages, and all this stuff that we have to put into the cars anymore. The airbags and uh, lane departure systems. All this technology that we've put in the car makes the cars heavier. Not to mention the fact that everyone's gone from what the average wheel was 15 inches back in the 80s. Now you're getting 20s. And what does that mean for, you know, I know it gets, so for the average guy like me, I have no idea what the difference, I mean, obviously in size, right? But what does that get me to go from a 15-inch or a 13-inch? I I had some old cars when I was back in the 80s when I was first driving, and I think we put 13-inch tires on those things. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between 13, 15, 20, you know, those kinds of things for the average consumer? Mostly looks. I mean, there there may be a little bit of performance there because, I mean, a lower-profile tire generally handles better than a high-profile tire. And also, the patch that the tire actually sits on the ground is much – it's almost 50% larger from a 15 to a 19. And that, that is the actual part that's actually on the ground at one time. So if you make a tire the diameter larger, part of that tire is going to be on the ground a lot more. And then you also get the width – 
aspect when you go from a, a 13 to a 19 or a 20 like my truck is. Um, you get a bigger patch, which is more safe. It pumps out more water, blah, 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 and that's where they get that whole idea. But it also adds rolling resistance. Mm-hmm. And adds weight, which is exactly. oh, a thing that hurts you too. Mm-hmm. Heavier it is, and it takes more energy to rotate it. So in our drive to get lighter, certainly we've gotten lighter materials over the last 30 years, but the cars have still gotten heavier because we still add more to them. Well, we've gotten some lighter materials, but the thing is, though, all oh, to get the oh, corrosion resistance and the oh, safety and oh, crumple zones, the steel is actually oh, thicker and heavier than it used to be. So the high I mean, strength steel is is not so much that it's thicker than the old steel; it's just a different type of steel and the way they make all the steel um, it's hard to explain but if you can make an egg so to speak but it looks like a a 2x4 they're making the steel on that 2x4 uh, the high strain steel is a different um, a different strength as you go back closer to the driver so the front might be might be a 500 uh, a high strain steel but the middle is 700 and the back closer to you is 800 so the steel's thinner but it's still um, it's not more dense, but there's a lot more of it to absorb that impact that you come in. Where in the old days you had a frame, a bumper, and whatever got to you, and a steel dashboard. That was it. Now it's a lot, you know, there's a lot more components. They're thinner, but all of them make, as you looked at the Indy 500 this last past week, the past week, when a car hits something, it dissipates energy by blowing stuff out of the way. And that's the same idea what these cars are using now with the plastic and the uh, high-strength steel. Yeah, those, there were some pretty spectacular ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because they look more and more spectacular, and yet they've probably never been safer right. uh, from that oh, yeah. because of the, the dissipation of that. Um, so certainly we've gotten a lot safer. I mean, I, the, 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 I don't know what the statistics are uh, if we've actually seen a decrease in, in road fatalities over the last 25 or 30 years. I think it's been going down, if I, if I remember correctly. I don't have... Yeah. A, specific statistic, but I, I think it's been on a downswing. And so so as the cars have gotten safer, but we're, we're changing a little bit, right? We sacrifice, we're, we're giving away more weight. They don't. They get better miles. So imagine if we had cars that were as light as they were in the 80s with the engines like we have today. Oh, yeah. like super light. Those things could probably mm-hmm. get some pretty good gas mileage, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if we all were willing to take uh, the performance hit... Uh, and have those uh, unsafe cars we had back in the 80s. Yeah, you, you, we could have monumentally oh, fuel-efficient cars. I mean, was my, my parents had a 1980 Volkswagen Rabbit diesel. It, in a headwind, couldn't do 55 miles an hour. It had 50 horsepower diesel engine. And uh, a washing machine. Could not uh-huh. have its own way. <laughs> And uh, I think I think I drove it once downhill with a tailwind. I got it to 75. <laughs> but uh, if you if you put one of the modern uh, a modern diesel that small that was that small with that little power today, you probably have a hundred easily a hundred to 150 mile per gallon vehicle. Now it'd be zero to 60 and never. <laughs> And you'd have you'd never be able to drive on the freeway at all the speeds we go nowadays. I mean, the highway around here is seventy miles an hour. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, Nebraska is seventy five eighty. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean that that's the legal limit, seventy miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. so that car would be completely unsafe on the highway um, by today's standards. But, I mean, yeah, you could probably get immensely efficient with that, but it wouldn't be, it would never survive where it is. Well, let me let me ask this, because fuel efficiency, right, gas is not getting any cheaper. Nope. Uh, it's it, We're catching up to Europe here in the United States. We're catching up to the rest of the world in pricing. And what's, for both of you, and I'll just throw this out, what's a reasonable, as we look ahead over the next decade, what's what's a reasonable, I mean, certainly we've we've hovered in that, you know, the, the hybrids have been advertising fi- up to 50 miles per gallon in some cases, right? What's reasonable over the next decade or so as far as gas mileage goes? Are we going to continue to just hover in the same spot, or will we see, advancements. Bill, you'd mentioned some hybrid systems in here. Not a big fan of my own hybrid that I bought in 06. It's, it's okay. It works out all right. But um, uh, while, while the other Bill is working on the dogs, Bill Pullman, any thoughts on um, any thoughts on miles per gallon uh, increases and stuff? There is a, th- uh, you know, obviously in theory there's a, there's a, you know, there's a limit for diesel or for gasoline how much it can push per pound. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a matter of getting as much efficiency as you can per gallon of, of gasoline uh, or propellant. Um, I just don't know. I forget what that is. Is it 70 miles a gallon or 60? If it's uh, like 100% efficient, um, but but nowadays, if you can get a diesel, you you can't go wrong. But the you know, like we talked about, there's a there's a limit. They're they're making it harder. Why would I buy a diesel to get better gas mileage when diesel costs more than a leaded? Mm-hmm. You know when they're charging more for a diesel than a regular motor. Um, Diesel is almost are, like the hybrid of of a decade ago. You yeah, know, a VW diesel will kill your hybrid as far as mileage goes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. If we go from New Jersey to Detroit and back, it it would be fifty seven versus whatever your might yours might be, but yours is better around the city. Um. It's t- it's really tough to tough to say. I, there's only a theoretical amount of miles per gallon you can get af- out of each gallon of fuel versus the weight, and that's where. How much more can you go? I don't know. Yeah, there's a number out there. Bill Rockford, you got some you've got some vehicles, some hybrid vehicles, kind of listed in our show notes, and I, I don't know if we're moving into that, but I want certainly is this is this the future? Uh, as you look at these, is this the future of what we're going, and what what are the advantages? So what's coming up? Well, I mean, you, you got some of them that are going to be fuel efficient. Uh, uh, one of the ones I've listed on the notes is uh, a Volkswagen. It's still in concept stage, but they're talking 250 miles to the gallon with a, mm. a hybrid diesel. It's going to be like a one-liter diesel engine, and but the price. But the thing is, this the car is going to be, have a $125,000 price tag. So I mean, they're they're pushing technology, but they're you're paying for it. Well, no different than the Tesla, right? When we when we talk about those vehicles mm-hmm. uh, being all, uh, all, and they have some similar challenges, right? They don't they they got to push that thing all electrical, and so yeah. you pay for any kind of new technology, and you know, you're paying to be on the cutting edge of that. Of course. Once that gets into the mainstream, the price seems to you know the, the price seems to start working down. But that hybrid diesel concept, so uh, diesel full time uh, batteries for power, or the other way around? Um, again, it's it's in a concept state, so it 
it's oh here here we have this is what it is but they they don't when the concepts right. they don't re necessarily release okay. all the details on how the system actually works. Yeah. Okay. Um, you, you got things like the vault where uh, it's been out and people still don't exactly know all the little tricks that it does. I mean, there I read a uh, realization a while back that. There's a mechanical linkage that goes between the engine and the uh, wheels when the thing hits 70 miles an hour because it was more efficient for it to start running mechanically once you get over 70 miles an hour yep. instead of running off the electric motors. But other than that, it's the gasoline engine that's in it is completely disconnected. It doesn't run anything but a generator that feeds the batteries. So you're saying once the car reaches 70 miles an hour, it switches over to the gas engine? No, the gas engine is always uh, is running already by the time you get to 70. But there's a mechanical linkage. I mean, when they were first promoting it, they were saying, this is an electric car, runs off batteries, but it has an engine that runs a generator that feeds those batteries so you can do 300 miles on it instead of just the 40 that you will get if you just run it off the battery. Okay. But then it became unknown that, oh, yeah, well, there is this mechanical linkage when it gets over 70 that all hooks up and runs the wheels off the motor. It still generates power and feeds the battery, but it does have a mechanical linkage at that point because it's more efficient at that point to have a mechanical link. But as soon as it drops below 70, that disconnects again, you're back running off the electric motors. Yeah, and I think I'd actually prefer that, to be honest. If I was going to go hybrid again, and I won't, but if I were to go hybrid again, I'd rather be full-time electric, especially as a commuter, right? Because I, I, I commute 15 miles to work. Oh, that's perfect. Right? I mean, that's, that's for me, my Civic is really a commuter car for the most part. We do take it on some long trips from time to time, but for the most part, it's a commuter car. And so I, you know, I'd, I'd rather have full-time electric. On that, and then just use the the gas engine when when I need it. You might like the Spark from GM too. It's the Volt miniaturized uh, version, um, which is completely all electric. And I've only seen Volts at where I work that were all electric. There was not a gas motor in there. It's either you plug it in or you go home. And it was either 120 or, or 120 or 210, uh, 210 or 220 rather. And um, you know at the house. And and um, so so if you're going that only that distance, it's a no-brainer. You know, it can do 35 miles in a sitting. Um, but, but I would have anxiety. Bill put it in the notes there. You know, no range anxiety. Right. right, <laughs> I, even, right. I would. I mean, I've I okay. So I'm crazy enough. My mower is battery powered, right? I've got batteries, really? right? Yeah, yeah. That's my my mower's battery powered. Lithium, yeah. Okay. It, and and it works great. I've had it for five or six years, but. It just degrades over time. I'm barely getting a hold of my my entire lawn mode now out of one charge. You know, where before I could probably mow it twice and then one and a half and then uh -huh. one. And now I really got to stretch it. And if the, if the lawn gets really long, I'm screwed. You know, I've got to do it twice. But um, that would be my that would be a major concern of mine. I watched the batteries in my current hybrid get right. me about eight years before they, they six years, six seven years. Before they crapped out, and, and so I'm I'm really hesitant on that concept of because the battery I don't know battery technology has always been lagging. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but battery technology for phones for anything is mm -hmm. always lagging. Yeah, we can make a phone thinner and smaller, but the battery is always the same size. And same thing with cars. I mean, 
I look at these when we got to do, we have to pull these batteries out. They're always the same every year after year. They're the same size. They don't get any smaller. Mm-hmm. Ever. Bill Rockford, you have a Saab in here. It looks like another proof of concept, but a camless engine. What, is, what does that mean, and how does that get it better performance? Well, okay. Um, this this is going to get geeky for you. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, a four-stroke internal combustion engine has um, four states in the pistons, the little things that go up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the... Uh, Intake stroke, which goes down, sucks the air and fuel in. A valve opens to let the air and fuel in. When it hits the bottom, a valve closes, and then you have the compression stroke, where it pushes the piston, comes back up, compresses all that air and fuel into a really tight package. Then the spark goes off, it burns and pushes the piston back down. That's the power stroke. Then you have the piston from just from rotational mass get pushed back up, but a valve opens, the exhaust valve, and that lets the exhaust gases go out of the engine. Mm-hmm. Now, an engine is only truly its most efficient at one RPM rate. It, 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 it will be less efficient before that, it be less efficient after that. It's only truly most efficient at one point because the cam can only open and close the valves in one, one curve. Because it has a little lobe that's kind of shaped like an egg, and a little, oh, and that little lobe pushes the valve open. Now, a camless car, and it's currently being used in Formula One too. Um, they're and they don't cam, have a mechanical cam is that connection rod that opens that that right. That's yeah, they don't have a mechanical connection that's tied to the crankshaft or any other part inside the engine to the valves. So they have a computer running, and they can open those valves and close them anytime they want. That makes so, sense. So that, that way they can have that valve and all open and closing when it's efficient at 1,000 RPMs, and then they can change the uh, timing so that it's efficient at 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. Right, so it's like a variable cam, basically, what yes. they're doing. I mean, yeah. Honda has variable cams, but again, they right. only have That's... two states. Right. So they're only truly efficient at two places in the RPM range. Hmm. This thing would be efficient at any st- t- um, point in the RPM range. And then the top that off is that's if you're just cruising. If you put your foot in it, it can change, and suddenly it can go be, be able to make the most power at any point in the RPM range. So not only can you get efficient, you can get more power out of the engine at the same time. While being efficient? Or well, it will be it'll be efficient when you're trying to be efficient, when you've got your foot out of the gas. Okay. But when you put your foot to the floor, it changes state. It starts trying to produce as much power as it can at all the range to the RPM. So then you have all the po- power it is capable of making. God, it makes me miss the rotary engine. Um, and, uh, from what, and something else I learned that they're talking about, that the thing could, it could run on anything. It could run on uh, gasoline. It could run on jet fuel. It could run on diesel. Mm-hmm. Now, why would that change? So taking out the cam, why does that change the fuel? Because the way the fuels work, um, the way um, because they will be able to control when the thing sparks, when the spark plug goes off, and when the 
valves open and close. Mm-hmm. The, the different variations on uh, how the fuels burn differently. Oh, I got you. So it's adjusting to the fuel as well. Mm-hmm. All right. How did they change? Adjustment. Sorry. How did they change then? Obviously, we know a diesel engine takes almost twice as much compression to ignite. How well, you, you, you still have the spark plug. You still have a spark plug in there. I don't know the details on how they were saying that diesel would work. It just I was cool. reading an article and they said you could even make this thing run on diesel. Right. That's it's it's a fantastic idea. I they think they, they said they could even make it run as a two cycle engine. That's the first time I've seen this. This is awesome. Maybe adjustable piston right pressure. You know, you think as well. It's got some. It's got the ability to adjust to to increase yeah. the pressure. Why not? Why not? It's if it's a mechanical. If you're taking some of those mechanical components out and you're running those mechanics on the fly or dynamically, right? And as long as the engine stays in sync with itself, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You won't want to start those getting those out of. Out of yeah, they have the software had hiccup. You you might have yeah. some serious problems. <laughs> you but, want to uh, uh, of death right in the middle of doing 100 miles an hour on a backstretch that had a Windows update. All <laughs> everything up. Is it okay to reboot? Blue screen. <laughs> Oh my my injector is just blue screen. I have a problem, <laughs> but uh, it, it 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 it's some interesting technology that they're coming out with. And uh, Formula One's already running this using a uh, air-based pneumatic uh, drive to run the uh, valves. But they're doing it because they they spin these uh, motors to eighteen twenty thousand mm-hmm. RPMs, which is extremely fast. A mechanical system wouldn't be able to keep up. That's why they went to a pneumatic system. Uh, these guys, they're not trying to necessarily raise the RPM range. They just want to have all the flexibility that it um, provide them. And they're playing around with pneumatic. They're also playing around with uh, electromechanical. So hmm. basically like cool, cool servos. Yeah, um, but it really helped, though, the RPMs, like you were saying, you know, not yeah. having that cam and that overhead. Um, you know, obviously when, it, when, when an engine fails, it, it really fails. But, you know, not to having that extra... Uh, top and fail on you. Uh, that that's really interesting. Well, and imagine too. You know, think think about you throw the nest concept at the car, and imagine it learn it begins to keep track of itself and and when it's getting the best gas mileage under certain conditions, mm-hmm. and begins to self adjust based on the environment, the temperature, the. Oh, they already do. Oh well, there you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they already they they may not be adjusting the valving, but they may they are adjusting how much fuel they feed into the engine. Uh, they already have the um, the butterflies, the little valve on the front of your engine that lets the air in. That's now electrically controlled. You don't when you press your foot down, you don't have a cable going to that anymore. Mm-hmm. Nope. You're, you're running a little sensor that tells the computer, "I want to open, go faster." It opens the blades and lets mm-hmm. more air in. Yeah, um, and even the turbos now are, are mechanically, you can actually, the computer will turn the blade of that turbo to make it more steep or more flat, depending on the situation, to, to reduce turbo lag. Mm-hmm. You know, same idea. The computer is doing a lot more uh, instead of just all mechanical. Of course, when you're talking about turbo lagging, you got other cars like the oh, new McLaren P1, where they're using the hybrid system to get around turbo lag. Mm-hmm. Why not? So, I mean, they're they're producing more performance out of the car using the hybrid system. Well, and that's that's I think that's how, that's how my Civic works is that it runs on gas full time. And when it wants power, it engages the electric engine, which has got good torque, and 
is really maximizing the electric for what it's good at, which is quick acceleration, and then turns that off in the cruise mode, which which is probably what the gas engine is better at, is uh, is is just maintaining a speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that right or is that wrong? I'm I'm just a layman at this point. No. Well, that, that's pretty much right. Except the, I mean, with the like the McLaren, um, they're getting oh they have a 750 horsepower engine with this absolute massive turbo on it, but it has what's called turbo lag, where you're running it running at low RPMs, you put your foot to the floor. It takes a while for that turbo to spin up to really produce power. So you have this period where the engine doesn't really want to make the car go faster. That's when they're kicking a 150 horsepower uh, electric engine in to push the car along faster at those uh, when the turbo can't produce power until the turbo kicks in. Right. Then they pull the electric motor out and let the uh, turbo keep kicking you forward. Because the turbo needs the exhaust gases to turn the, tur- the turbo. So mm-hmm. until you get those you know gases going on the exhaust side, you're going to have what's called that turbo lag. Um, but the only way around turbo lag is to create small little turbos. And if you want to cheat in racing like everyone does, um, <laughs> you actually put an electric motor in for restarts, and you actually want that to turn the drive shaft or in the transmission and hide it there. Um, even if it's only got enough power for three seconds, it will keep a, not, a normally aspirated motor. It will get that up to speed and help it enough that once it's, you can change the gear ratio. It, there's a lot of things that when you're trying to cheat electric electricity, you can hide pretty good. Let me ask both of you as we move into a current, you know, we've, we've got some cars. We have some legitimate full electric cars at this point. I mean, I... I the, they, they, I would say five or six or seven years ago they weren't legitimate. I think they're legitimate now. You guys might have differing opinions, but but Bill Rockford, let me ask you, from a from a straight electric car, one would you buy one, and two, which which one would you buy? Maybe not today, but one that you're looking at for the future. Um, I actually love you asking this question. There's one I'll never afford it. I'll never be able to pay for it. Uh, Mercedes-Benz has an electric car that is really intriguing. Um, it's basically all-wheel drive. It's got an electric motor in each wheel. And they've taken the drive system to a whole new level, hmm. where what they actually do is they've actually they adjust the power on each individual wheel as you're going through the corner of a oh, turn. And they can actually... They'll actually reduce, reverse the power on one of the wheels as you're going through the turn, and it'll actually make the car turn better. So they actually kind of apply brakes to one wheel as you're going through, and it makes and they increase the power to all the the other three, and it makes the car just cut through a turn like you wouldn't believe. In, in a normal performance, like in the average person making a turn, it it creates it makes a difference. It'd be more of if you're taking out onto a racetrack and flogging it for fun. Okay, so, but so more. So on you're the asking what I drive to work yeah. every day. Um, <laughs> probably yeah. never, but is this uh, the Mercedes. Is this the SLS? Yes, that, that the, the SL AMG electric. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah. and and, uh, and Jim, if you ever see someone in a um, cutting the lawn, uh, like at your corporation, where they have the two sticks. 
And one time you see you watch them turn this one back, and they're pulling that motor back because each each wheel is driven by a separate motor. That's what she, he's referring to: full control of everything, not just traction control, but right. assisting you in steering as well. Mm-hmm. So, kind of using braking as a steering mechanism, right? Or, mm-hmm. or and then, but all, it's all running through the electric motors. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you don't actually have to hit brakes. You just feed some power back into the motor in a reverse state, which makes that motor slow that wheel down. Yeah. While the all the other ones go faster, and it will drag you through that corner faster than if they were all running at a steady state. Right. That makes sense. Bill Bill Pullman, let me ask you that question. Electric vehicles for you? Uh, would you ever go that route? I know you got a big monster truck, but no, I uh, really don't. But no, uh, I I have just a normal 1500 truck now. No, no, I got oh, rid of diesel. Yeah, I got rid of diesel when I stopped racing. But um, you know what? The um, I like electric because you hit it, you mash the pedal, and it's there. There's no, it's almost like a, like a, um, if you never had the ability to drive a, uh, a rotary engine. There's no torque curve like on a normal, it's just there. So as soon as you hit it, you're gone. Um, so I, I do like that aspect, and I don't, I am a miser when it comes going back and forth to work. So I've been known to get into like a $400 beater with a four-cylinder and go back and forth to work for, you know, years on end until it dies, and then I get out of the car, take the plates off, and I leave. Um, <laughs> so I'm, in, I'm, all, I'm all for the, um, you know, the, the good commuting car. Um, but, yeah, I, I could be in it. I would have two cars, though, don't get me wrong. No way I'm going to have just an electric car. For, for that range anxiety, or...? No, just because I want to go out and you know waste some gas. I that, got you. That, that's <laughs> got the reason, you. but not for commuting reasons. You. Commuting reasons, you. I'm all for uh, the electric or hybrid car. I'm all fine. No, I'm okay. fine with that. I'm not worried about plugging in. I'll just pull over and you know jack someone's outlet outside. Plug in for a couple minutes. Yeah. Well, I don't. I as a as a nation, I don't think we're infrastructured yet for the not electric yet. car. Right, I mean, we're just we're just not there, and some cities are right. When you there, there are cities, San Francisco is being one of them. You can pull in a lot of parking spaces and get priority uh, by having an electric car. You can park in spots of the upfront. Yeah, the, my my company I work for has that. Yeah, I kept I kept on, on telling them that I was going to take a my uh, Camaro race car and convert it to E85 so I could park <laughs> it in next to the uh, yeah. Priuses. We have it too. We have a low emissions area that I park mm-hmm. in all the time because it's it's uh, it's right close. And here at, at uh, the the there's a university near me. It's uh, Rutgers, and they have a uh, an area just for that. And every time I go to the games on the weekends, there's two Teslas sitting there, and then you know, three or four other cars plugged in. It's pretty it's pretty cool to neat and look like look at. So. Yeah, the the recreational center in my our hometown has uh, uh, plugins in it at it too. Uh, Bill Rockford, tell me where again are you from? Where are you located? Uh, I'm living in uh, Dublin, Ohio. Ohio, okay. And Bill Pullman, you are in uh, lovely New Jersey. Lovely New Jersey. <laughs> well, the, the, at least storms don't roll through there anymore. No, no, not anymore. We got rid of them. We put, forget. It's all, it. it's all over with. Garden State, right? Garden State. Yeah. Guys, I want to. I want to. As as we uh, kind of um, spend the next few minutes, 15, 20 minutes. There's two things I want to ask you. So be ready for this. One is, when we talk about home gadgets, right? What are the gadgets you're putting in your car? 
And then two, I want to talk about your race cars because I know both of you have got some cars that you race or semi-race with or used to race with. And Bill Pullman, don't tell me you don't race anymore because I know that you don't tell me that. Uh, so we'll, Bill Pullman, we'll ask you if you could be racing or what you had before and why. Uh, but Bill Rockford, let's start with you. Gadgets to keep, so you're in your commuter car, in your regular full-time car. Uh, gadgets outfitted in there, what do you like, or are you kind of just a plain guy, don't mess around, I'm just, I'm just driving? Um, mostly, I'm just plain driving. I, 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 I don't even want to answer my phone driving my car. Of course, my car is a manual transmission car. Hmm. So I'm using both hands, both what feet to drive it. What's your full-time driver? Uh, BMW 128. Okay. But yeah, it it, it uh, I I mean it came oh came with an iPod hookup. Of course, I don't have an iPod, but uh, well, you could plug your phone in. Right, if you want to. But uh, yeah, I mean that that's I, I'll plug the phone into the USB jack to and charge it. That yeah. that's about the extent of it. Uh, no, I, not to listen to podcasts. You don't know any. any not any I, I don't even turn on. I rarely turn on the radio. Wow. All right. So you're old I school. Could, I I actually want to hear the car. I, I put a nice throw the exhaust on the thing. I work rolling down the windows and I run up through the gears. I mean, I, I, I've been. I'll I'll drive. Uh, I mean, I could be driving down a road that I could be cruising at 2,000 RPMs. No, I'll put it up at 5,000 because I want to hear the engine scream. <laughs> yeah. So so you're even racing, not racing, but you're enjoying the performance of your vehicle. Yeah. Even it, it, it's later. it's a fun little car uh, yeah. with a nice suspension on it, and uh, yeah, I don't exceed the speed limit much, but yeah. uh, <laughs> of course uh, not. I, I I will. Uh, I mean, I rove through, rove through the gears, and I will at every time, every now and then, I will up and I'll be having the engine screaming up through first and second until I hit the speed limit. So. Well, you know, my father-in-law used to say to me all the time, ah, you kids, you play that radio so loud, you can't even hear the engine, you know? And that that was a big deal for him. He, he liked to hear the engine. Uh, uh, I was like that when I was younger, too, because mm-hmm. I had a little four-cylinder car that sounded like crap. Now I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what year is that car? Your... Mine's a 09. 09, okay. So good. So you like the sound of the engine, and why, why wouldn't you? Bill uh, Pullman, let me ask you, gadgets in your car? Uh, everything. Uh, my truck. I'm lucky. Uh, my truck has air conditioned seats, heated seats, back seats are heated and air conditioning, sunroof. I have everything you could possibly want. It's got AC, so I can plug in my laptop, all my gadgets. Um, you know, Bluetooth. Uh, basically, when I drive home and from work, uh, I love listening to my uh, 5.7 liter Hemi at 12 miles a gallon, but. I like I listen to my podcast, so I throw my phone up there. I put on my podcast and uh, blue, you know, Bluetooth into my into my uh, nav system and the stereo system there. And then uh, uh, I put actually I use Waze all the time, so I don't even use the navigation system in my truck. I use my Nexus Five and I put uh, Waze on, and I listen to uh, the Average Guy podcast. <laughs> every day yeah whatever I, I, I do that at work <laughs> well it's good that you can you know that, yeah. that, that you can you can do it, it that it just way. unwinds me no, not that your uh-huh. podcast but podcasts in general it just unwinds me I have a nice ride from the city to the to the farmland where I live so it just it kind of like just decompresses me from the day so and then when I want to get in it I turn it off and I get on it and I watch out for deer and I get home a lot quicker 
I say, I mean, I, I mean, I live in the burbs, but I work in the burbs. So I mean, right. it's about 10, 15 minute drive from work, and I don't even leave this. I'm all in the same town. Yeah, so, I'm about 45 minutes, so I gotta, you know, it progresses as I go home, you know, to the sticks. So it's nice. I mean, so, but that well, one series, I, I've been amazed with that thing because I mean, I'll get 22 to 24 mm-hmm. average on the week, and I'll get 32 on the freeway. Right. You know, the automatic is just, I mean, the manual is just so much better. You know, no matter what type of car or engine you have, you you still can't beat it. Even variable transmissions can't keep up with a good old clutch and stick. I'm sorry, Dave, or Jim. No, 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 no. That's, that's right. I called you Dave. Sorry. Just yeah, just don't call me Dave. Um, <laughs> well, no, just well you've been messing my last name up all night, so I, I fear I that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do have it right. It's Rockford, isn't it? Hold. Hold. <laughs> I just could have swore I looked on your on your Google profile. Nope. Oh, that is wrong. <laughs> why, didn't you, why didn't you you? Uh, oh, I didn't. I was I was trying to be nice. Oh no! Don't be nice. <laughs> I could have. I could. Well, I maybe I was thinking of the old seventies uh, Rockford files. files. Yep. Yeah. I've watched that show. <laughs> yeah, okay. There we go. Well, I won't forget it now. Um. So. You you said um, you've uh, Bill Rock hold there we go you've got a commute of uh, just a fifteen minute commute or so mm-hmm. so you're not really I mean from exactly I, I used to commute about half an hour around our outer belt but uh, it, oh, and that was on a good day uh, a bad day it was two and a half hours there's an outer belt in Ohio uh, there's an outer belt around Columbus it's a well, joke forget but, it <laughs> you're um. But your commute's shorter, right? So you're just not engaging in, in. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of time to necessarily engage. You know, Bill, Bill Pullman, yeah. you've got 45 minutes. That's a good. I mean, you can get through a, almost a whole podcast in some right. regards or whatever. Um, yeah, although my commute, I, I'd be lucky to get through three songs on yeah, the radio. Yeah, no, right on. So that that may influence it, uh, kind of as well. I, you know, I've installed. I have an 06. Just came with an aux, and I've actually installed a little Bluetooth receiver for that aux. And I get in my car, flip on a podcast. I get about 20 minutes, so it takes me a, a day and a half to get through an hour-long podcast, right, in that, uh, going back and forth. Um, and I get through it. I only get maybe through three podcasts a week or so in with the commute, but I still find it really helpful. I like uh, Bill Pullman. I'm like you. I like to I like to have those podcasts on. That's just it's my time. I can't listen to them at work. That's the one drawback for me. You'd think I could. There's no way I could listen to a podcast at work. It's just not. It's just not happening. That and doing yard work. I mean, it, you know, cutting where I have to cut. I got a lot to cut. I love listening. I can catch up to like you know four or five weeks of podcasts. Uh, you know, just having whatever it is, driving whatever. But you know, I just have to have it. I don't listen to music at all. Honestly, I just don't anymore. Yeah. I guess there is one piece of tech I do have in the car, and that's a, a GPS device. And you, you use it much? Not too often, but uh, I, I've used, it, used it. No, or, okay. I, I will not use. I will never buy one built in. And if I ever had one built in, I would never use it. Okay. Uh, and I don't. And I have it. I don't use it at all. I use my cell phone. It's up to date. It's much better and more responsive. You're yeah, absolutely right. The the my my little Garmin. I mean, I can. It's got uh, lifetime updates on it, so I just update it, and I, I I prefer it over the phone because 
if I get when I get out in the sticks uh, in the hills down in Tennessee or something like that, there is no cell phone. There's no data. Yeah. And uh, then your SOL, if you don't have something that already has everything preloaded. You know, I was, so we have some family down in northern Kentucky, not too far from you down down there. And right, you're in Columbus, the Columbus area? Is that what you're mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, and I was, I'd, I'd rented this Chevy Malibu, uh, which, you know, it's got a little turbo and it goes pretty fast. It can go fast, right? And Kentucky roads are awesome, right? I don't know. <laughs> what they're doing, but they're curved just right. You know, they, they don't cut through mountains. They, no, was it a cruise? Yeah, Sarah's saying it was a cruise. Probably. I think it so, was a cruise. Yeah. So I don't know my cars either. So, <laughs> so I am just hauling, and, and it's a Sunday morning, and I'm flying down this hill, and I see a, there's a semi, and I'm like, I am so going to slot car this semi, you know. And I had the girls. I had my wife and her sister in the car, too, and they were chatting, away, blah, 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 blah. And I come flying down the hill, and I'm about to slot car this thing. And just as I pull out, I can see the state trooper behind me lights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't even try and get out of it. I just pulled over, rolled down the window. He's like, uh, do you know how fast you were going? I'm like, I don't even want to know. Just write the ticket. <laughs> and uh, I paid two something for that, 279, I think. I was going pretty fast. I'm, I'm fortunate to. No, but the roads down there are awesome. Uh, here's what I said. Here's how I justified it. Make sure share is gone. So here's how I justified it. I'm like, well, if I'd have gone to a racetrack and rented a car, because you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Rented a car at a racetrack, I'd have paid about that much probably, maybe a little bit. Oh, you paid more. more than that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, you'd, pay, a, you'd pay about that if you took your own car. Okay. So If you're was, renting a car, you're going to pay at least double. So it was even cheaper for me because I was – I was racing for like an hour. I mean, I was going fast for like an hour, hour and a half, something like that. So I went, well, that was my fun, uh, you know, racing day in doing that. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of racing, let's make a let's make a transition into racing. Uh, Bill Rockhold, I know you've got a race car. You were showing some pictures. If you want to throw those up now, I'll lock the screen on here. Tell us a little bit about, um, this is certainly not, this is not, now that we know what your commuter car is, this is not your uh, your commuter car, but yeah. tell us a little bit about about your car, how long you've had it, why you bought it, what you do with it, um, why you bought it, those kinds of things. I bought it because uh, I wanted to play thing. <laughs> um, I just got to the point where uh, at, at, at that time I was single and I had some extra cash and I decided I was going to get me a toy to play with. And I uh, so started hanging around. Almost bought a Mustang. Tell us what it is. This is a Chevy Camaro, a 1992 um, Chevy Camaro. And uh, I almost bought a Mustang, but uh, then I wised up. Yeah. What? <laughs> oh man. Finding <laughs> words. Um, <laughs> you <wow>. didn't do that. <laughs> um, not not from me. I just I know there are some listeners out there who are like, you're gonna get some angry emails. Well, uh, that's fine. No, it's fine. They, they 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 take it in. Oh, no, good jest. Yeah. But. Uh, when you bought it, it was 10, you said it's a 92? So I, yes, 92, it was uh, eight years old when I bought it. I bought it in 2000. And in pretty good condition, or did you do some work on it? It was in decent condition. Um, uh, it it uh, hadn't been uh, too badly uh, 
beat on. And it, it was and it ended up being something kind of rare. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't easy to find a third-gen Camaro with a manual transmission, a V8, and no T-tops. Mm-hmm. That's that's a rare that's a rare piece. So I, I found this and snapped it up. And Did you have to go far to get it. Actually, no. It was here. I found we found I found it here in town. And then okay. as soon as I bought oh, I got um, bought the car, I bought a house because <laughs> I needed a garage to work on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you do much mod to it? Did you modify it much? Uh, in the past, uh, what, 14 years, uh, about the only thing left on it that is from uh, originally a stock is the transmission. Uh, there's been modifications of the body, uh, rear suspension, front suspension, axles, drivetrain, a uh, whole new motor I built a few years ago. Uh, that was a pretty penny. Um, interior. You uh, built the engine? Is that what you said? I built a whole new one. A whole new one. Okay. From the ground up. Wow. All new components, or do you... you all new components. Go? Okay. Yeah, it was all new components. It was a... Uh, oh, probably $7,000 for that motor. Got off flight. Yeah. yeah it, it, it was built to a rule set, and uh, the rule set didn't let me get too crazy. That's good. That, that's always a great thing in racing. So uh, you got a few more pictures of that, Bill? You can throw up there. Uh, let's see. But, uh, I I thought I saw a couple other ones. Just from, yeah, I have more. I, I actually I think I closed that window. I think we. That's okay if you don't. No, we, I can get to them. It's just a matter of. We it, talked um, top speed, maybe 130 in that thing. That's what I've all gotten to. Okay. Um, it's definitely capable more than that. That was just how much how much the straightaway was. Okay. Yeah, and is there a track uh, nearby that you you take it to? Oh yeah, uh, Mid Ohio, uh, Mid Ohio mm-hmm. Sports Car Course. It's uh, probably definitely one of the top ten road course race tracks in the country. It's definitely well, definitely famous. That Lime Rock, quite a few up in here in in, in the Northeast area. That's one of the better ones. Yeah, it, it, it's. Um, I don't think it's ever sponsored Formula One, but I mean AMS, IndyCar, NASCAR is even going there now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a uh, they oh they have, still have club racing at it, and then they have open track days, which is what I generally have been doing at Mid Ohio. It's just where you just take your car and you can have a helmet and long sleeve shirt, and you can drive your car out on the racetrack. You have to pay about three fifty, but for for how long? Uh, generally, it's four 20-minute sessions for 350. Okay. Nice. They'll, they'll give you a uh, when you start. They'll give you an instructor to uh, teach you how where the line is, where to drive. Uh, they help you along, and they they generally they just don't throw you out all out to the sharks. Uh, unfortunately, though, my first time there, they didn't give me an instructor, so I got kind of thrown out to the sharks. Luckily, I had some friends that were there and not running at the same time I was, and they were experienced on the track. They went out with me to teach me and help me uh, get around the track without putting it into the guardrail. But because uh, yeah, that's pretty easy to do, it, it can be. I, yeah. I've had some friends that have. Uh, I have a friend with a Z06 Corvette that uh, has put it um, put it in the guardrail there at Mid Ohio in, in Turn One, and I've seen the Mustangs uh, and some other cars that have spun and backed in the concrete walls there. It, 
it, it, it doesn't happen a lot, but it can happen even when you're just doing it for fun. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I, we were mentioned before I told you that story about that Mustang, and we backed it into a guardrail on the Autobahn, and uh, <laughs> we lost some traction on the back end. That is the oddest feeling. You know those tires are spinning forward, and yet you're going backwards in this. And uh, and then it did a wit, you know, he hit the brakes, and of course that spun the front end around, and we slammed right into the guardrail and took the whole back end out. So that's um, that. Have you wrecked? Have you wrecked your car at all? Mine, no. Okay. I have ne I've never wrecked it. I, I that first day when I uh, was thrown out to the sharks, I did spin it twice. Oh. <laughs> uh, that that was interesting, but it, uh, <laughs> it, it really didn't scare me because uh, I'd already been uh, autocrossing for five years. Okay. And there, you're basically running in an open parking lot with just pylon cones. And if you don't spin your car occasionally doing that, you're not driving fast enough. That's exactly the answer. <laughs> so um, if you don't, if you're not spinning out, you're not trying. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's that's one of the classic sayings about racing. If you, if you haven't wrecked or you haven't made mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. All right, Bill Pullman, what did you have? Are you done? You've ha you've had some stuff before, right? No. Yeah, I have a Northeast. Uh, modified. It goes from Canada down to basically Florida on the East Coast. Um, you know, 780 horsepower, uh, big block modified. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, so, is there a difference between modified and super modified? It, it, every class has their own terminology. So, my class is, that's the highest. It's modified. So, it's, you know, it's sportsman, then modified. So, small block, small block big block, or uh, the modified could run on alcohol with a small block as well, but you, you know, a small block you eat that motor up, and it's uh, every twice a year, and it's uh, about twenty grand every year to re uh, twenty grand a shot to re get it ready for the next time out. So it gets kind of expensive. A where a big block, a big block will hold up a little bit better with the RPMs, and you can run it on pump gas, uh, not pump gas, obviously, but you can run it on racing fuel, and not alcohol. Uh, so we and we do good. Is that the one with the fin on the top? That I don't know. That's a spring car. Uh, I got sprints. a picture of it. I don't know how to get yeah, it. Yeah, throw, throw just oh just um bring it up in a window and then uh -huh. show your screen. Use the the green one with the arrow on the on the upper left. I'm up working here. it. I'm working it left. Where keep pointing. Up here. Plus minus share. Up, up there share. Share and then it just right says public. Up, right about there. Yeah. Well, no, you want to share your screen. You should you should see one. It's, it's I got two screens. Is that causing me a problem? Here. Yeah, no, it should it should grab. It's the second one down. You'll see the. Yeah, I, I have a third one. Down. I got it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Here you go. I apologize. No, you're good. Newbie, rookie. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Let me. So uh, so that's that's basically us going into a corner with the uh, rotating weight going on the outside of the vehicle. I don't know how you guys see it. Let me go look. Yep. See how yep. you see it. No. Yeah. So. Um, it's dirt racing. Um, it's you know, pavements to get to the track and racing's yeah. on dirt. Dirt racing and slick tires, right? Yeah, I mean they're not slick tires. They got they're grooved and we sipe them for heat, just like you would like a winter tire or a snow tire has. They're siped. Um, same idea, uh, different siping for different types of traction. Uh, but it, it it's fun. It's an oddball car. People from Kentucky and Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania call it a uh, the mud turtle. Because it looks like that. Pennsylvania. 
Yeah, that's what that's what we call the uh, the people from Pennsylvania. They come in like to beat up on the uh, New York and Canadian New Jersey racers. So we call them Pennsylvanians. Nicely done. Yes, I'm sure. I'm gonna get an email on that one. It's all <laughs> it's all in love though. Um, so of course, of course it is. Anyway, so that that's my car, my rookie year in the modifieds, and uh, and then next year my my uh, my son was born. So. That there's a brand new car of that one looks just like that in a trailer somewhere. Never, never ran. It's just sitting there right now. Where's the trailer? At my in-laws because if it was here, I'd be racing because I'm only like uh, 20 minutes away from the track. So, wow. just trying so to be responsible. You're you're holding you're holding on to it for future for future. It's brand new. Maybe. It's yeah. brand new. It like smells like you know brand new plastic. Mm-hmm. You know when you open that box up. Sitting in a trailer, waiting to be raced. Just waiting there. So, but don't, so, but don't the technologies change enough that if you let it sit too long? It's, yes, you know. they absolutely do. It's mostly in the engine. the The rules have the you know the front and back axles are solid. There's not a a, a wishbone suspension on these. They're all solid. So the actual geometry on these cars are going to be the same by rule. It's the engine. And the the center of weight, and a lot of times we'll use like a rubber floor to allow it to flex more. Those type of things will change, but mostly in the in the technology and the drivetrain will change. Not so much the chassis itself over a 10-year lifespan. Um, a modified big block modified will beat a chassis to death and flex it out within about three three seasons. You take it and you throw it away. It's crazy, guys. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna admit the the money. I mean, it's a ho- it's a hobby, right? I buy computers and mm-hmm. set up. Oh yeah. And I mean, rigs and where else can you stuff. go out and buy and, t- yeah. and get a five thousand dollar car and dump another forty thousand dollars into it? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Rockhold, have you done dirt? Have you raced dirt before? No. Okay. No, I, I've I've been stuck on asphalt, and I'm re- uh, what I do is very amateur compared to what he's doing because I'm not running wheel to wheel with other people. It's uh, a time trial thing where it's you mm-hmm. against the clock, and then the clock is your clock against somebody else's clock, and yeah. whoever so turns fastest. On the track is it just you then? Yes. Okay. The autocross, it's just just me. Open tracking, it's there's a group of people out there when you're just uh, tracking, uh, having fun, but. Uh, uh, in autocross, yeah, it's one car on the course at a time, and, and you, he's the smarter one. And do you, and do you, yeah, do you drift at all on in any of your any of your stuff, or does it is it pretty much wheels uh, stay moving? Um, well, the, the, that's the, that's the rub. Uh, <laughs> uh, are we intentionally drifting? No. Okay. <laughs> Am right. I doing it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So uh, it, not, it's not really drifting as what you've seen video of drifting people doing full 45 degree slides. Uh, it, it, it's more of a, a a power drift where you, you know, and it really that isn't the fastest way. It's just often you you get the the back end will step out a little bit, especially with my car because I got it set up to be loose. So the back it's set up to have the back end give mm-hmm. before the front. And so it will. I'll come out of the corner, get it on the throttle a little too much, and the back end will step out. And I'll slide it, and I'll counter steer and keep in the throttle, and wait to either it snaps back or I have to hit the brakes for the next turn. 
Because, I mean, our cross course, you're you're probably talking maybe half to three-quarters of a mile long in a very large parking lot because it's all zigzags. But a turn is coming at you every two seconds. Right. And what's the max you get the the car up to speed-wise? Probably 55, 60. Uh, Fast. You're you're generally in second gear, and that's it. You You start in first, you go to second, you're done. So Rennie says drifting is stupid anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I won't disagree. It, it, it's not real racing, but it, it, I will never say that those guys can't drive. The, uh, you yeah, watch them now, sure. put those cars in some ridiculous situations. Especially right? your rally cars. It's amazing. Oh, oh yeah. It. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a work of art to watch them, you know, because that's the big, I shouldn't say the big deal now, but in some of the drifting videos that I've watched, you know, they, they spin those cars between mm-hmm. things and, like, inches of space, and they don't hit. And I wonder how many yeah. times they hit before they, <laughs> they got it right. But I mean, my car can't really drift. I don't have enough, uh, I can't put enough steering into it to truly drift the car. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've stuffed too much tire underneath the front of it. Sure. Sure. I mean, the tires on the front of it, each one is 11 inches wide. You know, and you know what's funny that, that you said that is that most people on the outside say, oh, racing, you don't have to be physical, you don't have to do this. But any race car driver of any type of racing respects another type of racing, no matter if it's drag racing or whatever, because we know what goes into it. People on the outside are like, oh, I can go in the car and race. Well, how about this? Let's go with 32 more people. At the end of a night, when it's hard and tacky, you're doing 115 down the straightaway, you're going into turn four, and there's two people, your your worst enemies on either side of you, and let's roll the car a couple times or smash it into the wall at 75 yeah. miles an hour. You know, it, it does take skill, and, and as a as a driver, you respect every type of racing, no matter what it is. I mean, when you when you're going through a turn and you're pulling 1.2 Gs, mm-hmm. going to sideways, yeah, that that is. It may not sound a whole heck of a lot, because I mean, it's not like fighter pilots where they're pulling five, seven, but think of having all of gravity pull on the side of you and then add another 20%. Yeah, that's where weighing less helps, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, right? but then again, having nice seat that wraps around you, six-point yes. harnesses, right. that helps a lot too. It does, and so you have that, and you've got that all set up in your yeah. car. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean... If if you're not tied into the car like that, you're expending energy holding yourself in place. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, that, and that's that, that's taking that, and that's not only uh, taxing you physically, but that's also diverting your attention, your concentration. And when you have turns coming at you every two seconds, you need every bit of concentration you can get. Right. Yeah, no, it takes you. You've you. I, I bet when you get done, you're. It's a physical, you know, for both of you on the track when you get done. And and I don't think people realize, you know, that you reach those speeds, and a in a wreck is violent, right? I mean, you you watch it on TV and you're like, well, they're not going that fast, right? There's no crumple zone. Yeah, like there right. is nothing. You're, it's yeah, all. Yeah, his car is all tube frame. Yeah, there, there's put nothing. Put a Hans device on and hold your head on because. You know, the first one I got into real bad, I hit a hit a, a divider dead on. I try to woe it down about 50, and my chin, you know, put a, a dent in my chest oh. that was black and blue for two weeks. And it, that's how a lot of people die is because they're, they're yeah. just fine separates. So mm-hmm. after that, containment seat I mean, and full Hans device. 
Remember Dale Senior? Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, why. If, if you watch that race, mm-hmm. it, it was nothing. that wreck really did not look that bad. I mean, he went and nose first in the con- uh, wall, but it didn't look that bad. But it killed him. Yep. Yeah. No, it's it's violent. I mean, that's that's one of those things. It's at those speeds, and especially when we talk about the. You know, and then and then the yeah, I consider at least with me, I don't have a Honda device. We don't. We're not required to wear because we're not running that kind of speeds. We're not right. running with other cars, but we do have to wear helmets. Yeah. So you've got another what five pounds on the top of your head. Yeah. And again, as I was saying, 1.2 Gs, and there there was one summer uh, before I got used to it. My neck hurt like crazy because I was going oh going through turns, getting net getting snapped back and forth, and with yeah. all that force and just muscles just hurt all the time. Yeah, it's you're not doing it very often, and so mm-hmm. you're you're deploying these muscles that uh, that you don't use very often in that way, right? And so yeah, you know, eventually you, you get used to it. Right. And even that, even when I was carting, I w- we'd have a sling that went over your sh- two shoulders and it would connect to your helmet, so you didn't have that fatigue right. after kind of 25, 35 road course laps, because that's a lot mm-hmm. on your head. I might get a little claustrophobic in that setup, to be honest with you, where you just can't move. I mean, those guys that race Indy and all that other, you know, the, mm-hmm. the stock car stuff, the NASCAR, they are like... <laughs> I mean, I, they, they, all they can do is like move their arms like this. The rest of them is like locked in that vehicle. You know, the head can barely move. The arms, you know, enough to to move that steering yeah. wheel. But yeah. that, course, uh, that's a, you know. First, the thing is, they they set up the steering wheels where they don't have to turn it a lot. Right. And you look at Formula One; they do about a quarter turn. That's all mm-hmm. they need to do that make uh, go from all, all half a turn to go lock to lock on a Formula One car. Yeah. No, it's pretty amazing, and there's a lot of tech that goes into that as well. I hope. Uh, let me wrap this part up. We've 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 used our allotted time here at this point. It, 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 we plenty of things to talk about. We'll have to have you back, and that way I can. I told you, you get metalheads talking. We yeah, can just yeah. keep going. I'll, I'll have to do another show with you so I can get your last name right. Uh, <laughs> and get that. Get that. I'm such a. Jack. You got it right the last time. I know. You know what? When I first when we first started the program, I said it and I thought, did I mispronounce that? So I went back and looked on Google and I even wrote it down. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get this right. And I must have wrote it down wrong. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm all, I'm all proud of myself. I'm like, I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna get it right. And then you're like, no, you're not getting it right, Jackass. So it's like uh, I'm like, ah, but go figure. It's all right. I you know I, I appreciate Those you being patient happen. with me. Next time, just tell me the first time so that I don't go through the whole show. <laughs> mispronouncing it. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> well, we will tell folks listening, we'll hang around. Uh, if you're listening live, we'll hang around for a little bit of the post show and uh, we'll talk some, uh, talk a little bit more of this stuff. And uh, of course, you only get the post show if you come around for the live show. So if you're just catching this podcast, we are live Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern out at TheAverageGuy.tv. And we've changed up the format a little bit. I'm getting some different tech in here. So it's n- just not your typical computer phone tech show. I, I got a little tired of, of talking about that all the time, and uh, and so we've kind of branched out a little bit. Last week we did some cooking tech, and uh, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed doing that one with Ryan Parker, and uh, and we've got some uh, stuff coming up in two weeks. Uh, John Nye, a guy I met a couple weeks ago at a conference, we're going to talk about ethical hacking, which uh, would be pretty cool. I haven't uh, gone down that path uh, in the tech world and so not really home gadget geeks but I'm all weaving in somehow <laughs> so we I, I, I run the show I can do whatever I want so uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have John Nye on as well and I'm looking forward to that interview 
and uh, I'll remind you. Thanks for uh, supporting the the uh, the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund. And so, if every time you purchase from Amazon, if you go out to theaverageguy.tv/amazon, Lopta had said earlier in chat he'd use that, and indeed he had. Uh, super easy to do. Some of you have even set up uh, automatic links in your browser so that when you click on it, it automatically goes to it. We roll those dollars into uh, a giveaway stuff uh, folks are going to test, and we have a couple of those coming up here uh, in the next couple weeks uh, as soon as guys get those done, written, and, uh, and posted to the site. But a great way for me, I hate begging vendors for stuff, so it's a great way to for me to get stuff out to you. You just need to let me know, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv, if you want to try something out. We'll buy it and ship it to you, and then you can uh, try it, test it, write it, um, and then and then and and Bill, that's you did that for us, right? Back with the the was yeah. it the RAV? Was it the RAV yeah. power one? Yeah, I think I have it here. How's, how's that working? What how's that uh, how's that working for you? Still, it still works fine. Yeah, right here. Very cool. Yeah, there it is. We we actually sold. It's really funny. I had a guy. So after you reviewed it, not not long after you reviewed it, I had a guy from Southern California leave a message on my audio boo. Um, you know, we also provide the podcast over at uh, Spreaker and Podomatic and Audio Boo. And he said he was like, "Hey, I'm looking for a device." And he he said exactly what you, that device does. And I'm like, "Oh, hey, we 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 just put a review up for it. So so take a peek." And he tried it and. Um, and I haven't heard back from him since. He said it was okay when he first got it. So if you were that person, send me a note. Love to hear about it. We, we always like to know what's going on uh, with the stuff that you buy through the link. Or any new tech that you might have. If you bought something and you want to talk about it, drop it on our Facebook group. That's real easy. Facebook.com slash group slash, uh, I think it's the average guy. I almost said call the coach. I say that so much for Gallup that uh, my, my podcast worlds are colliding. We'll be back here next Thursday. So thanks for doing the Amazon stuff. We'll be back here next Thursday, I hope. I don't have a guest yet, so I'll have to dig that up. I'm, I was looking at the schedule this week. I'm like, oh, crap. I actually got to slot somebody in. Maybe I can get the Australian guys in. We can do a full Australian. We'll get Rennie and Andrew back and uh, talk about phrases that are only used in Australia. That seems to be the, uh, the theme over the last couple of weeks. We're hearing a lot of these, these Australian um, phrases. And so maybe we'll just do an all-Australian all show and see what we can... We, we haven't heard from Rennie in a while. Hey, Rennie, you're out in the chats. So let me know if the next week would work for you. Bill and Bill, thanks for coming in and, uh, and joining us today. Bill uh, Rockhold, thank you for the show notes. We'll drop those in if you want to link to... And there's a there's a, some... Uh, Bill actually's got some links in there as well, and we didn't go right to the links. And so if you want more information on what he was talking about, we'll provide those links in the show notes as well. So thank you, gentlemen. Welcome. We'll be back next Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, AverageGuy.tv slash live. Good night, everybody. <laughs>